0: technology tv this is episode number 37 if you can believe it already Uh, tonight we've got a lot going on a very very busy show as you can see the uh, frame rate tonight is uh, quite exceptional compared to previous episodes we've been spending a lot of time working on uh, improving the quality and uh, speaking of that i want to thank everybody so far who has uh, gone over to category5.tv and uh, purchased a downloadable iso uh, of the show uh, that uh, The money that's being raised from that is helping us to further improve the uh, stream quality. Uh, just speeding right through this, uh, tonight we're going to be looking at how to make Windows XP feel a little bit better, uh, just kind of enhance the look of it a little bit, uh, and also just kind of make it feel a bit more like Linux in the way that you're able to move your Windows around using the Alt key. Uh, We're going to be doing that all with free tools tonight, Uh, so nothing out of pocket uh, to to make that happen. Um, And also we're going to be tuning up our Ubuntu system, uh, making it into an incredible, uh, powerful multimedia server for our home. Uh, We'll be able to watch movies, do uh, photo slideshows, play our music all from one centralized hub. And uh, the quality is going to be exceptional. And again, we're using free tools tonight. You're watching Category 5 Technology TV, and I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. And you can visit us on our website, www.category5.tv. If you're not already there, uh, please do join us in the chat room. Uh, It's right there on the homepage of Category 5.tv. And uh, this is a free service. So any questions that you have tonight for me, all you have to do is get over to that website, and I'll be happy to answer those for you. Joining us in the chat room so far, How Catman, good to have you along. Great to see us. A couple of people uh, named Streamer. If you're coming into the chat room and your name is Ustreamer, you can, uh, you can just type slash Nick space and then the nickname that you would like. So slash Nick space Robbie is what I would use. Uh, so if you'd like to set your alias so that we know who it is that's uh, joining us tonight. And again, if you have questions for me, either uh, send them by the... Uh, oh, there's lots of ways that you can get them to me. You can get them there in the chat room at Category5.tv. You can call this number down here, 705-739-1056. And of course, you can also email me at uh, live at Category5.tv. Let's take a look at the mailbox uh, so far this evening. I've got a couple of emails coming in. How actually sent me an email earlier this week, uh, actually just yesterday, Um, so just looking over your question right now, Hal. All right. Hoping that I could give you uh, the simplest way to remote connect to somebody else's computer over the internet. Uh, By simplest means, uh, by simple, you mean from the point of view of a novice user uh, from the client perspective. had the experience of talking such a user through setting up port forwarding on a router to accommodate VNC, whilst we got there in the end, it was time consuming. Uh, the process to get that done. I understand that completely how I've been through that many times. Uh, What he's talking about here is being able to provide tech support um, through a router or through a firewall to an end user. And usually, you know, quite often the end user is is, is actually asking for your help because they're not sure how to set up those kinds of things. So uh, to have to walk them through manually over the phone without actually seeing on the the screen uh, what, uh, you know, what they're seeing in their router, that can be a challenge. So... um, uh, it says here that uh, Hal looked at TeamViewer. I haven't ever seen that software before, but let's talk about uh, kind of what your needs are and how we can go about this. Um, so you're joining us in the chat room, Hal? Just uh, let me know that you're there. Um, and from the sounds of it, it sounds like you're just trying to set this up so that you can provide tech support. Is that right? You're just... Hey, Hal. Good to see you. Um, so you're just trying to provide tech support to, uh, to a user? be able to kind of remote desktop into their computer. And I'm presuming that, uh, okay, for occasional use to help friends and family. Perfect. Um, So in that case, there are probably people that you're going to you know, that you're going to see... or be able to, you know, provide service to on a regular basis, right? Uh, for friends and family, I would almost say get into their house and, and you know, when you're there next time, actually set up uh, port routing for uh, if they're using Windows XP. Remote desktop is a great way to do it. Uh, then that way from your Ubuntu box, you can actually just go into uh, your, let's see, we've got uh, GUI. I don't usually use the, I use the uh, the command itself, but applications... Internet, Terminal Server Client. And there's Remote Desktop Viewer as well. Uh, But anyways, uh, I install rDesktop, just like it sounds. So uh, in your Ubuntu system, you can type rDesktop, space, and then the name of the server, like the IP address or the domain name uh, that they have associated to that IP. Um, And a good way to get around uh, dynamic IPs is to use something like um, dindns.org or another one that I use quite frequently. Let me just pull up their website. ChangeIP.com. That's my personal favorite. Uh, for doing the, for working around the uh, dynamic IP when, you know, every time, what a dynamic IP means is that every time you connect to the internet with an ADSL account, uh, you're getting a new IP address. So somebody like Howe who wants to help your computer, you've got to find your IP address and then send it to Howe, so this gets around that Howe. Uh, but if you can set it up on site, that's perfect. If not, there's a program called UltraVNC. If they're and now, I'm assuming that they're using Windows, uh, UltraVNC. You can just send them an EXE file by email or something like that. They open it up and then it connects into your system through their firewall because it actually sends the data rather than connecting in, like having you connect into them. So there's no ports that have to be opened up on the firewall. Um, so but the catch there is that you've got to have a Windows uh, receiving system. So again, we can uh, go back to your email where uh, you were using a virtual machine in order to get around that problem. You boot up into Ubuntu, run a virtual machine with Windows XP, install the the, uh, the server software in listen mode, and then just send them the executable, and and you'll be able to. You can set up the. Port forwarding and stuff on your router, uh, and get around the you know having to teach them how to do it. It's probably the easiest way. There are commercial applications out there that you can uh, that you can set up uh, that will allow them to go to a website, subscribe to the service. Um, unfortunately, off the top of my head, I'm not too sure. I think one of them is. Don't want to say it before I know the URL go to mypc.com. That uh, is a reliable service that uh, is provided that allows you to uh, install a uh, uh, server-side program on their computer and uh, be able to access it from outside. Um, Other than that, is this pointing you in the right direction? I think UltraVNC is my preference for uh, for what you're wanting to do, uh, where you send an executable and then they connect into your system and you're able to control what's on the screen. It also has a nice uh, GUI file transfer engine so in the background regardless of the fact that you know they can see when you move the mouse and things like that but you can be transferring files to their computer at the same time downloading files from their computer to fix them and then upload them again Uh, but it's nice let's say you want I've used it to for example install panda internet security uh, so I've signed into their computer using this remote desktop tool, uh, or remote control, we call it, uh, using Ultra VNC. And then I upload the Panda installer uh, to, say, their desktop, and then I take control of their system and, and do the installation for them. For the client, that's extremely handy because they don't have to figure out how to set up their, their antivirus, and certainly they don't need to set up uh, port forwarding on their firewall. So hope that helps. Good place to start anyways uh how's just saying he didn't realize that the client could connect and I'd still have control of their desktop that sounds easy yeah basically because the problem with a firewall is that you're quite often when we try to provide support this way using remote desktop or something there's a server application on the client computer uh, and then you are trying to connect into that computer. So their firewall is intercepting that connection, stopping you from being able to connect. So the way around that is to actually install the server on your computer uh, in listen mode. And then they connect into your computer because you've already opened up all the ports and stuff in listen mode. And then when it connects, rather than you downloading the data from their computer, the screen and all that stuff, they're actually sending that data to you. So it goes right through the firewall because there's nothing to it uh, because it's a send operation rather than a receive operation. Yeah, definitely easy. Uh, you know, Of course, you've got to set it up on your end, and you've got to have a Windows uh, virtual machine or a Windows box. I Actually, just this laptop up here, I usually have just Windows XP running on it. It came with it. Uh, I think it's just Windows XP Home, actually, and I just installed the server end of the application there, and it just sits right next to me here on the desk. So uh, if somebody pages me to provide remote tech support, I can just bring it up right here, and then I actually VNC into this system so that I can see it on my main desktop monitor. Catman is saying that the video is smooth tonight. Hope so. Uh, We're actually, we're clocking about 11 frames per second. Last week, we were only at 4 frames per second. Just to give you an idea how extreme the upgrades this week have been. Um, and for those of you who have already purchased the DVD ISOs or who are planning to purchase the DVD ISOs, uh, one of the things that we've wanted to do is really improve and increase the quality of those DVDs. Uh, so of course the older episodes, there's nothing we can do about those because the the uh you know the older episodes were recorded off of the stream. Uh, So the stream itself, if it was running at, say, four frames per second, then the DVD, even though it's going to be full screen, and it's great because, I mean, really you don't need to have full animation, but it's nice. Uh, But on the DVD, even, you're going to be seeing it in four frames per second. Uh, So right now we're actually clocking at 27 frames per second on the DVD end, Uh, so... The web stream is 11 frames per second, and we've got the DVD encoding at 27 frames per second. So th- this is the beginning of uh, a new chapter for the DVD ISOs because starting with uh, with the disc that this uh, episode is going to be on uh, and into further episodes, uh, we're going to see much, much higher frame rates, uh, close to DVD frame rate. <clears throat> uh, Phil was just mentioning KRDC. For managing remote desktop and VNC. Thanks for that, Phil. Uh, I haven't used that, so I don't know. We'll have to look into it. Um, Usually, now that sounds like a Linux tool that runs under KDE, usually when something starts with K. And Phil is the KDE man. No problem, uh, how? (laughs) I was right. Another question coming in by email from David. David, it's good to have you uh, along for the show. Um, Just take a quick look here to see if I can answer your question. David is about to build... I need to stop doing this because see what happens is is I start to stutter because I change the perception. I should just read the email, eh? it makes it a lot less complicated because I'm here changing the perspective. Uh, Okay, I'm about to build myself a file server and was going over a few options. Firstly, what suggestions would you make for building a file server? Is Ubuntu server running Samba, or Samba the uh, right way to go? Uh, I know the price is right for one thing, definitely. Secondly, do you have any tips or tricks that would be good to know on how to set the server up? I've already read and will definitely use the, uh, your one about mounting Samba file shares at the desktop end. Cheers, David. David, thanks for the email. Uh, firstly, um, now I'm just I'm immediately thinking about my SSH document. If you go onto our website at category5.tv, uh, stuff to read, and then under stuff to read is tips and tricks. And there's one called Mount a, a Linux Drive via SSH. That's the way I prefer to do file shares on my network, but that's mainly because a lot of my systems here are actually Linux. Um, So it works well because I'm connecting in. um, And, you know, one thing that I did this week is I set up my multimedia server at the TV, and I mounted my computers, like my desktop computer down here, my production system, I mounted its... Uh, movie folder as the movie folder the videos folder upstairs so uh, I didn't have to do any downloading or transferring files it was all automated so that was really really nice Um, so that's one of the things we can do with SSH if you're looking at sharing it with a Windows environment then definitely Samba is the way to go um, but I would probably, if it sounds like you're just kind of feeling, you know, feeling the waters of Linux, I'd probably suggest just going with the desktop edition of uh, of Ubuntu, just so that you can get the feel. Um, because jumping direct, like if you were to take that leap from Windows GUI directly into uh, Ubuntu Server, you're you're going to be encountering the uh, the prompt, the just the black screen. So you're not, you know, it could be a little intimidating. So what I would suggest you do is get the, the desktop edition of Ubuntu. Um, once you've got it installed on the uh, server system that you want to use for your file server uh, it's going to make mounting your drives a lot easier if you're not familiar with how to mount drives in, in Linux and things. I'm not sure from your email uh, about where you are with, with regards to your Linux knowledge. Uh, if you're in the chat room, of course, let me know. Maybe respond to me. But um, um, essentially, using the GUI, then you can use uh, Synaptic Package Manager uh, to install the uh, programs that you need. Uh, one of them that you're going to want to install is, uh, is strictly SSH. Go to, uh, go to your uh, terminal and type apt-get... Uh, pardon me, apt-get, space, uh, install, SSH. I should actually do this on the screen so that you can see what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to go sudo apt, there, okay, maybe I'm to do that. (laughs) apt-get install, ah, SSH. So that is going to install um, SSH, which is going to allow you to um, set up file sharing, things like that, using the document that I have on our website, uh, how to mount an SSH drive. But again, if you're using uh, Windows, uh, Ubuntu out of the box is going to give you file sharing to Windows. Uh, And again, very, very nice to be able to do it um, using the GUI if you're fairly new to Linux. And what you can do then is, let's say, for example, you just right-click on your desktop on the server. Let's say that this is where you want to put your shared folder, so we'll just call that shared. And then we just right-click on it and we go sharing options. You can't see it very well over my ticker, but uh, it is there. Sharing options. There it is. Okay, so then we just set that to share this folder and then it says sharing service is not installed. You can go through the installation let that install the sharing service. It's going to prompt you for your root password, so just let that go. So I'll actually do this on the screen so that you can see how this works. Um, so this is you know, going to just simplify things for you. You're watching Category 5 Technology TV with your host Robbie Ferguson and I'm here just to answer your questions with regards to any form of technology. Uh, my specialties are indeed Windows and Linux as well as PHP development, Joomla and uh, things like that, software especially. Uh, under what circumstances would you want to use the server edition for the file server? Red Raider, um, certainly if you've got some Linux experience and you're not intimidated by the, uh, by the console or the terminal, uh, then I would go ahead and do it. Um, if, if we're fairly new to Linux, it's going to be a lot easier to use the GUI. Um, usually you're going to stay away from the GUI if you're putting this server into a production environment where it needs all the resources it can get. Uh, But even in my environment here, I tend to use the desktop edition only because I find it quicker and easier to set things up, don't have to use um, text editors nearly as much, and uh, it just, you know, in this environment, I don't need all of the uh, resources for the computer dedicated to the server environment, so... Uh, so essentially, if you're if you're going to be setting up a server that is in a in a production center that's you know like let's say a web a web server that is designed for a company to be specifically their web server or their NT domain or something along those lines, then you're looking at the server edition. But if you're going to be using this, you know, if it's for home and you're going to be using it as a file server, you may want to install FrostWire and do some downloading. Uh, you may want to get Azurius and do some downloading, things like that. So it's nice just to have the GUI so that you can do that kind of thing, um, and then you're not locked into the uh, to the uh, command prompt or the uh, prompt itself. So it just simplifies things. At home, pretty much can stick with the desktop then. Yeah, absolutely. I would say so unless you're, I mean, like I say, it, it all depends on how much of the uh, computer's resources you want to dedicate to the uh, to the server itself. Um you can install, because because you can install the uh, desktop edition and then install all of your, you know, standard stuff, like if you want to put Apache on there, it's no problem. You can do it through Synaptic Package Manager. So, um, you know, it's it just it simplifies things because you've got that GUI desktop. So it's kind of sleek that way because you don't need the dedicated resources of a solid, like, 100% server. You can use it for other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, I mean, cool thing with that, too, is, like, you can take that then, and, you know, let's say you want to install the uh, Multimedia Center, um, you'll be able to do that, and, you know, you can have all your downloads go into that file uh, server, then have, uh, you know, you're ripping from your computer. If you're ripping DVDs, you can put them on the file server and then just bring up the Multimedia application and start playing. It makes it pretty clean. Let's see. Okay, so that uh, folder sharing, it didn't even prompt me for anything. It's already installed there. Um, so you can see now share this folder, and I'm just going to call it Shared. Now, I don't touch any of these other options. Um, As long as you know your username and password, you're going to be fine. Um, So I just share the folder, and then from my other computers, I log in using the the login and password for for my Ubuntu system, and that's going to give me access to that share. It's definitely a lot safer to do it that way as well, um, I should say, uh, David, because if we were doing a Windows file server, then we got to worry about antivirus and we got to worry about protecting uh, the file system and things like that. Um, and then we got to get into what kind of storage medium you want to use, whether you want to use a RAID, uh, just a strict uh, large hard drive, things like that. So we're going to be getting into that over the next uh, couple of months as well. So if you have any questions about storage, um, this is the place to come as well. Well, moving on to uh, Windows XP, and we're not going to get too diehard into um, setting Windows XP to be like Linux. So, I mean, that's not what we're doing today. Uh, more than anything, it's just making it feel a little more comfortable for me because you know I don't particularly like uh, the interface. I don't particularly like... Um, the way that it interacts with my mouse and things like that. So, And we've looked at uh, programs like Top Desk in the past and Desk Space, both beautiful applications, but they're commercial applications. So today, I really wanted to stick with free software. So we're going to be looking at a program called XPIs, uh, as well as Windmover. Uh Those two applications are both available for free uh, as free downloads off the Internet. XPIs is going to give us basically a theming system that's going to give uh, Windows uh, XP a much nicer interface. Uh, it's going to improve a lot of those uh, icons within the system, uh, you know, like when you're... Uh, Data is moving back and forth. Just little little things that Microsoft has kind of left out of the mix with Windows XP uh, that they could have updated since Windows 3.1, and they didn't. Um, so that's going to improve that. Win Mover, on the other hand, is just a very simple application that lets us hold in the Alt key on our keyboard and move uh, just move. By, uh, like any window, just by clicking anywhere on the window and moving it around, much like Linux. And because I'm so familiar with that interface on Linux, I really, you know, I got frustrated with having to click on the, the top uh, name bar that uh, like of the uh, application itself and move it that way. So we're going to just kind of clean that up a little bit. And so I've got just my laptop here with Windows XP base install. So this is just a very clean installation of Windows XP uh, Home Edition. I haven't even touched it, um, so this is right out of the box, and on my other desktop, because uh, for some reason my laptop won't allow me to (laughs) clone, um, but I'm just going to go through this installation for XPIs, and I'm going to post the links for this software um, after the show in the show notes for episode number 37, so so this is going to just go through a very, very straightforward installation procedure. I'm just going to click next on my screen here go through a normal installation is the way that you want to do and I let's see, I'm going to switch back here so the prompts that I'm getting are uh, choose installation method, do I want to do a normal installation or create an XPized Windows ISO, that's pretty cool if you want to distribute this or share it with with family like if they've got legitimate licenses Um, but I'm just going to go with a normal installation, patch my uh, currently installed Windows XP Asking me if I want to create a restore point, what that is is uh, if you want to be able to go back just in case this messes something up with your system. I'm going to turn that off because this is a fresh install of Windows XP. We don't need to take the extra time. UX theme patch is required. Uh, Windows XP, Microsoft basically forbade uh, any companies other than Microsoft from being able to add themes to the uh, Windows XP Uh, System and yet then they never released any good-looking themes. So uh, we use that UX theme patch, which is included here with XPIs, in order to allow XPIs to uh, skin Windows XP. And then I leave the rest as well. Files and extras are both checked, and then I just go next. Um, On the next screen, I've got a couple of different prompts here, and I'll just show you kind of what we're looking at, and I can't zoom in with... um, with Windows XP, but uh, there are several options here. I'm just going to read through these so that you on your screen can go through these as well if you're going to be installing this on your Windows uh, machine. First option is keep system files updated with the XPIs resources automatically. I'm going to check that off. What that does is it leaves a little, uh, well, it runs a program uh, during system boot up that will automatically check if, for example, you've run a Windows update and it's set your UX theme patch back to normal, so it would therefore disable your theme. Um, That happens quite frequently. You install a service pack and you lose uh, your theming system. So that program is gonna automatically set it back if it finds that uh, Windows has reverted things back to normal. Um, Enhance older dialogs fonts uh, using Tahoma. We're gonna set that to yeah because basically I want to let XPIs kind of do its thing and make my system beautiful, so and it does a really nice job. Uh, remember my current visual style, cursor theme, and wallpaper configuration? I don't want to check that because I've just got the default and I want XPIs to take over that. Add XPI settings to the control panel. I'm going to check that. And then add XPIs OEM branding information in system properties. We don't need to do that. You can if you want. That's just going to put their logo on your system properties. And I've hit next, and that's installing. Uh, so that's just going to go through, take a few minutes. How many people in the chat room right now have a uh, Windows XP machine at all, I mean, that you that you use whatsoever? Because this is a really neat, uh, you know, it's a handy tool, it's easy to install, it's easy to configure, and you can put it on any Windows XP machine, whether it be at work, uh, Catman's one. Um, so, you know, this is just a really nice way to simply beautify Windows XP. And because it's free, you can't go wrong. It's not a shell replacement either. I should mention, like, this is not replacing Explorer.exe, where some programs do that, and it can cause problems with certain applications. I know we ran into that with the web stream as well because I had uh, changed Explorer.exe and couldn't find out why uh, Minicam was crashing all the time. So, uh, And it turned out it was because of my Explorer replacement. So... Uh, with XPIS, it's strictly just a, like a skinning engine, and it patches uh, different DLL files and executable files in the Windows subsystem that you know to replace the icons that are built into those programs and and really just beautify things, make it a lot nicer. So, Catman Dual Boots. Uh, Phil has a Windows XP system for the kids uh, to play games and a virtual machine as well. I even like to beautify my virtual machines. I mean, I like to, I like. All of my systems, I like them to feel as uh, comfortable to me as possible. I I don't like to, you know, I don't leave anything out of the box. (laughs) It's like I customize everything, so this is kind of a cool way to do it. Hey, you boonics. What's up? Good to see you. First-time visitors tonight? I see at least one, maybe two. Did I say your name right, Ubunix, or would it be Ubunix? That's a tricky one, or Ubunix. Okay, this is any of the above? <laughs> Where are you from? Houston, Texas. Well, good to have you along. How'd I do? Yeah, great. You on uh, on Ustream, or how would you find us? Okay, XPIs is installed. Let's take a quick boo here. Boom. All right, so it just uh, has prompted me that it is complete. I'm going to hit, go ahead. I actually need to see this. <laughs> I can't really, oh, it's asking me if I want to reboot, so I'm going to go through that. That's no problem. Boom, so I'm going to let that laptop reboot. Yubunix has watched the show for a few weeks, but this is the first time coming into the chat. Well, great to have you here. Yeah, there's a lot of people who who don't join us in the chat. Like, I see that, you know, the numbers are amazing uh, for Category 5, and and it's like, I I know that you guys are all watching, and, uh, you know, join us in the chat room. It would be a little overwhelming, but it would be fun. (laughs) But it is amazing how many people just watch for the sake of watching. They don't actually ask any questions. Red Raider is watching on his Nokia N800. Okay, I'm going to have to Google this. Okay. Cool, cool. Let's take a look at how uh, Category 5 is being watched here. That would be really neat. Come on. so this is what uh, what's being used there so how's the uh, show come up on that device that's pretty sleek Phil is watching on his EPC actually Phil ran into me a couple weeks ago and showed me his EPC and the first thing I did was brought up Category 5 just to see how, uh, how it looked on the machine and it was pretty nice really really nice I think that um, our, our, you know, the, the whole multimedia uh, integration and communication uh, on the Internet is just going to just boom with all these portable devices that you can, you know, pop in your pocket. The EPC is just so tiny. You're looking at, you know, up to a 9-inch screen. It uh, fills as a 7-inch, so, I mean, the thing is just petite. You can pretty much stick it in your back pocket. But, and then, yeah, it looks like uh, Red Raider's system is even smaller, so. It says that the N800 is a little jumpy. Uh, with with the video. <laughs> but, uh, but that's still very, very cool. Are you watching it actually through a mobile network or are you watching through uh, Wi-Fi? That system has uh, rebooted now, so I'm just going to jump right back to our Windows system. And you can see how... Um, and I'm going to uh, just quickly disable my... Um, my footer there so that you can see the the revised start menu and I do regret that Windows XP doesn't allow me to zoom in however we can see that uh, you know this is quite a lot more beautiful than uh, the -the out-of-the-box Windows Um, it includes a nice screensaver and also has some nice uh, nice stuff from a uh, you know just from a back-end standpoint too I'll just bring up a couple windows here so that you can see a few things that I'm talking about let's just get uh, the default out of the box uh, Internet Explorer up there. Uh, see if I can get like Notepad. I'm actually looking at this on like a three inch little window, so I'm doing pretty good. So now Alt Tab has been, oh, and wouldn't you know what it, it's on the wrong screen. <laughs> I wish I could show you. But uh, what you'll have to do is uh, actually install that system, uh, XPIs. And the alt tab is is quite a bit nicer. Um, They've really, really improved it with with live screen captures of the applications themselves. Uh, So you can actually see uh, a task list of all the programs that you have open. And I don't think that there's a way that I can transfer this over to the uh, web capture. But definitely give that a go. Uh, The other application that I want to install is called WinMover. And it's just a really, really quick, straightforward uh, item. And I'm going to, now the original um, programmer of this software has disappeared off the face of the earth. If anybody knows where I can find this software, uh, like a legitimate source, like an official website, uh, please let me know. But in the meantime, I've got a copy of the software, it is free. Um, so I'm going to upload it to the category5.tv website and place a link to the actual file download, uh, in the show notes for episode 37. So, uh, we'll actually host it on our website in the meantime. So, if anybody knows the original author's website, that would be great. Otherwise, we're going to, um, host it ourselves. So, I just basically bring up the installer and hit next and next. Boom. And finish. And it's done. So, that's as quick as that was. Um so let's just jump back over to that system and you're not going to see much of uh, you know much happening with that but if I click on my start menu and just bring up wind mover see how well I do with a three inch screen that looks like wind mover alright so this is the configure window I'm just going to bring it over to my screen so that I can see so that I can walk you through this uh, start wind mover when you log on you want to turn that on and then uh, that's it So then hit OK. And then we want to actually start the WinMover program. So that's found on the Start menu as well. Uh, Under WinMover, and just go Start WinMover. And it'll say that WinMover is started. So now let's say this notepad, see how on Windows you're used to having to click on the title bar here and drag your window around. But I'm going to actually click down here See where I'm dragging there? I'm just holding in the Alt key and moving that window around, much like you would in Linux. So that's something that I really, uh, you know, I really, really like. So free software. I'm going to put a link to that at category5.tv. You're watching Category 5 Technology TV, and I'm Robbie Ferguson, your host, here to answer your questions with regards to technology, any form of technology whatsoever. Uh, You can visit us in the chat room at category5.tv or uh, give me a phone call, 705-739-1056. And, of course, uh, you can email me at live at category5.tv. Red Raider's using Wi-Fi and uh, typing on a portable Bluetooth keyboard. Very cool. Um, Phil is asking what kind of laptop I'm using that won't let me clone the screen. It's uh, it's just a generic e-machine AMD64 with an ATI mobility Radeon uh, 9600. So I think it's my Radeon drivers. It just wouldn't let me clone, and I wasn't... uh, pretty pressed for time today. So I actually wiped this thing out. It had Ubuntu on it, so I wiped it and put uh, Windows XP on there just for the demonstration. So I am sure that the, uh, the option is there, but uh, I didn't have a chance to figure it out. Have you ever done a section on this like DD-WRT? Just my version, uh, Buffalo Wireless Router not quite ddwrt is that a service provider i'm not familiar with that term unless it's an acronym that I'm just not catching let me know i'm gonna google it in the meantime free linux based firmware for several wireless routers oh okay I've never used it but that's cool so to be an open uh, open software I'm sure no, we've never done a feature on it. We should maybe, um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, put in a feature request for me, Ubunix. Uh, just go to category5.tv, click on to uh, interact, and then go into the forum. There's a there's an actual forum for feature requests for upcoming shows. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, that looks very cool. Yeah, we haven't really got into a lot of, like, hacking devices or peripherals and things like that, flashing firmwares or anything. Um, because it is pretty specific, but that looks like it might be kind of fun. Any other questions for me in the chat room at category5.tv? Let's see what else is coming in here. Beautiful. It's great having everybody here. And stream quality should be, you know, pretty smooth tonight. Pretty cool. And we've got a new monitor back here as well, so you can actually see my system as I do. If you haven't already uh, purchased the DVD ISO downloads, it's pretty cool. Uh, We've gone out and put 10 episodes of Category 5 on a uh, downloadable ISO. So you can download it, uh, burn it to DVD-R, and watch Category 5 on your television system. Um, And, you know, everything, all the information is on our website at category5.tv. But it does, you know, we're using all the money that comes from Category 5 to go directly back into the show, Uh, whether it be purchasing new items for review, uh, whether it be um, doing simple things like doing the upgrades that we did uh, this week to uh, improve the stream quality, things like that. Um, all of the money that's raised through Category 5 goes directly back into it so uh, so it's a dollar an episode, uh, you get it on DVD uh, that you burn yourself, uh, and of course I do want to offer that if anybody doesn't have the connection or the bandwidth to download it, uh, just drop me an email um, and maybe throw me a donation uh, to cover expenses, I'll burn it to a DVD and mail it to you that would be fine as well uh, Did we ever get that HP site to work? Cat Catman is asking Let's take a look it worked offline. It was it was just during the broadcast last week that it's that it was down. So let's bring it up. Yeah, see it's up today. So see how that just came right up. Um so what you're seeing here is um uh, just it's just loading this kind of window here with totem and you can't push play or anything. You can't open it in a uh, in movie player. And this is due to pardon me this is due to Catman. Uh, I hate to say it, but it's a poorly designed site. Uh, the developer has has misprogrammed the ASX files, so they're they're actually not to format. It'd be like, you know, making a file that's just a text file and calling it .xml, but it doesn't follow XML standards. It's the same sort of idea. Uh, so the developer has created the site. Some browsers and some operating systems are able to interpret it, and so you know they get they get by probably without getting too many complaints. But uh, as soon as you get you know we're on Linux and it's looking for a proper uh, ASX file and there isn't one. So uh, so let's just look at how because it is up tonight we can look at how to basically break through this um, and even download these files locally. Would you be interested in putting these files on your local computer? Would that would that kind of be a good workaround for you, or how should we do this? Yeah, we'll definitely uh, look at that, Phil. Just mentioning that he uh, he bought uh, a particular device specifically to hack it, so it would be kind of fun to take a look at it on the show. And I'll have to see if I have any hardware that's compatible as well. So make sure you put in that request to Boonix. Catman, just waiting for an answer there uh, with regards to downloading these files. Do you want to save these locally, get them on your computer? would that work? I guess it depends on how often they uh, manipulate the files, right? Catman fell asleep on us. <laughs> okay, Catman, I'm asking uh, just how we should do this now. we got to crack around uh, the poor coding. So, um, one of the things that we can do is we can download the movie files locally. Do you want to have those on your hard drive? I just need to determine how you want to work around this, and we'll work around it together. We can save them locally. Yeah, okay, that would work. So you can use this site um, for the text information, uh, but let's let's work into let's let's start with battery up here. Uh, let's figure out how we can crack this. All right. So let's take a look. So I've just clicked on battery. And just for the record, this is we're looking at HP Services Media Library. Uh, this is something that uh, Catman uses for work and it uh, doesn't play in Ubuntu Linux. Um, so what we need to do now, this is a framed site. So we need to just right-click on the frame where it says if this video does not play, just right-click on that text and go this frame. I'm going to zoom in so you can see this. This frame. And let's just do we can either show let's show only this frame just to give you. The heads up so now we've got just the player window okay so now we can push control u to view the source code of that file alright and I'm just doing this as we uh, as we go we want to just do a control F and find uh, the the file that is playing where's my control Oh, okay my find dialog is at the bottom so dot uh, ASX so the file that is trying to play is called mer battery so I'm gonna copy that okay and that's in the current folder. So just like files on your computer, that means that the file is going to be located in the same folder as this HTML file because there's, no, uh, there's no link to outside, you know, outside of this directory. So I paste that in there. And that's going to give me the ASX file, which is corrupt. It doesn't play. It's bad. So now I can control you on the... No, I can't control you. What I can do is I can go File, Save Page As because this is the actual ASX file. I'm just going to save that to my desk desktop, merbattery.asx. Save it, okay. Now I can just get out of that, and so there's my MirBattery.asx, and you can do this for all of them. Right-click on that and go Open with Other Application because it's not going to play in movie player because again, it's cur- it's not properly formatted. Uh, open it with your text editor and hit Open, okay. Uh, so there, now we have the WMF uh... wmv file so we're gonna copy that wmv um, file ref and we're gonna put that into our browser same folder Okay, paste that in and hit enter and now here's the video so now to save this now we can go file save page as and then save and when we save this time it's actually going to be saving oh and i think i accidentally pasted Uh, it's going to be saving the WMV. So let's put that on our desktop just for the sake of doing it. Close out of that. And now on our desktop, we can delete that ASX file, but there's the WMV file right there. So now we can just double-click on that anytime we want that file, and there we go. So I know I kind of motored through that pretty quick because, you know, I know... I know how to get through, but you can refer back to the video and uh, of the show, episode 37. That's going to help you get that done. So it's a little inconvenient, obviously, but it's not our fault. It's theirs. So at least that will uh, help you through. Sound good, Catman? That work? It's pretty cool, too, just looking at... Um... Oh, I guess it won't show <laughs> on that display. Um, they have a pretty cool screensaver that came with um, XPIs as well. That's kind of nice. but it doesn't seem to show on the uh, secondary display. One day they're gonna get that right, the interaction between the two displays. You're watching Category 5 Technology TV and I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm a technologist from Barrie, Ontario, here to answer your questions with regards to technology. And you can visit me online at category5.tv. That's our website address. Join us in the chat room during the live broadcast. After the fact, you can always uh, join us uh, in the forum. Uh, This is episode number 37 if you want to ask any questions with regards to things that I've mentioned on this show. Uh, Or, of course, if you're watching live, you can ask in the chat room. Um, Catman is asking if the ASX file is the only way to find the file name. The ASX file is their script that is supposed to play the file, so it 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 contains the. I noticed that the WMV file was the same name as the ASX, but the chances of that being the case all throughout is you know that's that's up to them. Um, so by opening the ASX file, you're going to be able to see what the actual file name is. Yeah, so just a little bit of a hack around. So save them to your desktop and you're good to go, or make a folder and you know set it all up yourself but we are just kind of hacking around the poorly-coded uh, site. Whoa! All right, so lots of people are interested in setting up Ubuntu to be a multimedia supercenter, and uh, I set up to do that very thing this week and very impressed with the results with Ubuntu Hardy Heron. Uh, there is a program called Elisa, And uh, this program has been around for a while, but as far as, uh, as soon as Hardy came out, it has been uh, included in the repositories from Ubuntu. Uh, So we're able to install this strictly uh, through add remove. So very, very nice. I'm just going to actually pull up on my screen uh, the installation procedure. And as you know, this, you know, with Ubuntu, it's so simple. Uh, Just go applications and then add remove. Here we're just going to type in Elisa. And you can see that I've already installed it. But all we need to ch- do is check off that box for Elisa Media Center and then go down to the bottom and hit Apply Changes. Now, again, I've already done it. Um, so just to give you a little bit of an idea of what this software is capable of, um, now I set out to find something. I've just been using Totem for the longest time, VLC, and uh, playing my movies that way. But I have a CRT TV. And uh, so, you know, 27-inch TV, it's fine, but uh... really really hard to read text and so when i'm moving around on the screen um, you know things just it was never comfortable it was never convenient so i've got my little uh... computer set up right next to my uh... right next to my uh... television upstairs and connected through uh... i've got a d sub converter to convert it over to s video and then going into the back of my uh, dvd player uh, so using that setup i wanted software that's going to give me easy access to uh... networked uh... movie files Home movies, uh, photographs. My wife really wants picture, uh, You know, the ability to bring up pictures of the kids, um, as well as um, listening to music. We've got a pretty massive. I used to work in Christian radio, and so when I was in that, you know, I've just accumulated tons and tons of CDs. And I set out to import them all to my computer. So I've got 17 gigabytes of MP3 files, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is a lot of files. And so, you know, to have the ability to play those on the multimedia system through our 5.1 surround sound upstairs is a beautiful thing. Uh, so using ELISA, uh, we were able to pull off exactly what we were hoping to do. So this program is just now found, uh, once you've installed it, um, you're going to find it under Applications, Sound and Video, and then ELISA Media Center. And when you click on that, we're just getting this little um, splash screen there, and then it brings us right up to the main menu. Now, one of the things about this, too, is that it... Um, of prompts me to keep my files organized and i was talking earlier about how we can actually uh you know map stuff off of the network using ssh so i've got my video files in my videos folder on my computer i've mapped them to my multimedia system as well so that i can open those movies uh open those videos as well uh directly through uh wireless uh networking in my house so using elisa now Let's just pull it up. Um, Sorry, I did close it to show you, but um, under places, you'll see that you've got music, and you've got videos, and you've got pictures. So that's where Elisa is going to pull uh, the files from. So up here, places, music, pictures, and videos. So if you click on any of those three items, uh, if you put your pictures into the pictures folder, there's the pictures that I've got in my pictures folder. Um, So just some family pictures, there's pictures of my wife and myself and the kids. Um, So those are there, I've got a couple of videos that I've imported to my videos folder and uh, certainly now that I've got Elisa I want to start importing uh, our uh, DV movies as well with the kids. Um, So let's just bring it up, demonstrate a little bit about how this software works. Really really simple, just a beautiful interface, I'm very very happy with this. Comes up, um, now this is on an NVIDIA uh, 7600 I think. Um, just a basic card. Um, it doesn't really need a whole lot. I was actually able to get this to work under uh, an integrated graphics adapter as well, and it worked just fine. Um, it plays audio, and it automatically downloads the cover art from uh, Amazon, things like that. I just I threw a Madonna song in there. It's a horrible cover, but just to show you how it works. Um, and then we've got our videos. You just bring up your folders, videos. How easy is this? I just imported a few episodes of Season 1 of Heroes. And you can change the view um, to be kind of like the uh, Mac-style system. So we kind of like that. It automatically generates thumbnails. We can see that a thumbnail hasn't been generated for that one just yet. But just by hitting Enter, it's going to automatically start that video. The navigation is is very, very sleek. Um, I want to fast-forward. I just push the right arrow. If I want to increase the volume, it's the up arrow. You can just kind of hold that in. Um, And then space is always to take you back. And you can see that the interface overlays the uh, video um, so you can actually keep going back if you like and the video will continue to play in the background until you know you get right back to the main menu and then when you push space it's going to take you right back to the main menu. Don't push escape in this program because anytime you press escape it's going to actually abort um, the program. It's actually going to quit out. Now one of the things I would love to see is uh, the ability to change the uh, hotkey assignments in the system. I'm sure it's something that's going to come uh, but it's not there yet. So. As it is right now, space is to bring up your menu or go back. Enter is to select whatever you want to do. So looking at those photos, the pictures that I have in my pictures folder, you can see that it automatically puts them into a nice little thumbnail index. You can go up to the top and change the interface again. There's a couple of different ones that you can use. Um, There's uh, just a a list style thing, and it shows the thumbnails as well with the file names. I kind of like this guy. So there's my baby boy. Zechariah Todd, and I just hit enter there and it brought him right up onto the screen. So I press space to go back and I can change photos. There he is trying to walk. So, if I like, up at the top here, just by using the up arrow on my keyboard, it takes me up to this top menu where you can change the view, or you can press play, and it's going to put these into a slideshow. So now, all of the photos that are in my pictures folder, or whatever folder I'm currently browsing, are going to automatically be added to a slideshow. There's no having to configure it, there's no having to import anything, and then of course I can hit back to go back to wherever i was so that is elisa and it's a free application available on ubuntu hardy heron directly through the repositories you can go to uh, applications and then add remove and i'll also have a link to the product website at category5.tv in the show notes for episode number 37 you're watching category5 technology tv i'm your host robbie ferguson technologist from barry ontario it's good to have everybody here tonight And great to see uh, so many familiar faces, a couple new faces in the chat room as well. And if you have any questions for me tonight, we've got uh, just about eight minutes left of the broadcast, and I'm here to answer your questions live at category5.tv, and of course in the phone number down at the bottom of your screen, 705-739-1056. Anybody in the chat room have a question for me at this point? I'm out of water. Oh my. Good timing, eh? Just a couple minutes left of the show. So we are in the future going to be looking at uh, actually building uh, multimedia center systems. Like I'm talking like that system, Elisa, is designed to be used uh, with a multimedia remote control. So you can actually install a nice little system on your computer uh, in front of your TV and actually use just a handheld remote control wireless device and definitely cool. I have a wireless keyboard on my TV, so, um, you know, I just use the controls that I just gave you there. Just watch out for that escape key. It took me a bit of getting used to because escape usually, I think that that's going to take me back. Instantly closes out of the application. Uh, when you're playing your uh, movies or any, any music or anything like that, just push enter. It's going to pause it, um, and then uh, just push enter to re uh, restart playing. Pardon me. Uh, are there many other tweaks for Windows to make it more Ubuntu-like? There's definitely a lot. I mean, we can even go as far as installing um, Linux interoperability into Windows. Um, and as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show, I didn't really want to get that far into it tonight uh, because we've got so much on our plate and, and, and you know, a busy show, and, we, and I really wanted to get through uh, all of the, the features tonight. Um, but... Definitely, something I would like to look at in the future is uh, is making Windows feel a lot more like Linux. But then again, I kind of am in the underst- like kind of in the thought that anybody who is on Windows who wants to be on Linux is probably just going to install Linux. Uh, it's not quite the same as you know making Linux feel more like Mac OS or making it feel more like Windows because that's more uh, for users who want to be on Linux but are uncomfortable with the uh, Linux interface. Uh, with Windows, it's more. Uh, I have to use Windows sometimes, uh, so I would rather have it feel more uh, customized. But definitely, if that's something that. Um, uh, Compass Fusion for Windows uh, is not an option, but there is a program called. Um, uh, what I, I said it at the beginning of the show um, Top Desk and Desk View. And we actually featured it on a, a very early broadcast. So if you'd like to see how far the stream quality has come, definitely go back and watch this, and you'll be amazed. Uh, Okay, there's actually a review for it. Uh, It got a 9 out of 10, so it's quite excellent. Um, Category5.TV, Stuff to Read, Product Reviews, 9 out of 10, Desk Space and Top Desk. Uh, There's a little bit of a video there, but if you'd like to actually see it on the show, because, you know, I love to demonstrate software, and I love to actually show you what it's going to work like uh, in in a real environment. You know, the promotional videos are never true to life, you know, so uh, episode number four, if you can believe <laughs> going way back, we're talking about October 16th, 2007 uh, is called Add a 3D Cube to Windows XP uh, and that was using Topdesk and Desk Space, so that software is a commercial application, that's why I didn't want to feature it tonight uh, but it is, ju- you know, it's know—it's—it's really phenomenal and, and it's actually improved since uh, I featured it on the show back in October of 2007, um, so check out episode number four that will give you the desktop cube for Windows XP as well. Give you even more of a Linux flavor there. And give you the productivity as well. Uh, just having that cube is, is so productive. Um, I actually always have um, at least six uh, faces on my cube. And it just helps me to be productive. I've got, you, you can see that I always have several applications open. So unlike Windows, I don't have a million things on my taskbar. You, you can see on this side of my cube, I've only got three items open. On this side, I've only got three items open and so on and so forth so um it just really helps keep things clean so you can use that desktop cube using that software uh, on your windows xp system as well and that's going to really uh, improve productivity on uh, windows xp no problem Kimasabi. good to have you here tonight Just a couple of minutes left, so we don't have much time to get into any new questions, but if you have something quick for me, category5.tv, and just join us in the chat room, or if you're there, just drop me a question. How cool is that? (laughs) Chet is asking if I've ever used Solaris. Um, Way back. I mean, so far back that I couldn't honestly give you an honest opinion of it. See you, Phil. Great to have you here. Phil is off. Um, Chet, um, Solaris I haven't touched in so many years that it just wouldn't be fair to talk about it. I could try it again, but... Is that something that you use, or...? Just downloaded Solaris 10 and is going to try that out. So, well, let us know um, what you think of it and, you know, if there's anything that you, in particular about the operating system that you'd like us to feature. I'm always willing to um, demonstrate other distributions of Linux. My distribution of choice is Ubuntu, um, but, you know, we, as, as you can see from, uh, you know, past shows, I try to feature as much as possible because it's not about Ubuntu, it is Linux and a lot of the software is very much similar, so... want to see Ubuntu server headless with VirtualBox. Uh, yeah, we could try that. So what are you thinking, like, VNCing into the virtual machine? Because if we don't have a monitor on the server, we're going to have to have a way to control the uh, virtual machine. I actually don't have a head on my server at the back, and I use VMware. But I had a head head on it um, for the installation. And then I just uh, I remote desktop in to each of my servers, which are just virtual machines. But it's a dual Xeon, so it runs really, really well. Is there a reason that you didn't use a virtual XP on your main machine to demo XPIS instead of an actual machine? Um, we made so many changes to the uh, to the system uh, this week. Um, so my de- my desktop system is actually now the stream system. Uh, you can actually see here. Remember last week how things were set up. This was my production system, this is now obviously the stream system, so I've got ManyCam, Ustream, uh, Viewer, and uh, Debut recording for the DVD, Uh, so things have changed there. So I don't actually have any virtualization right now, uh, just because I haven't had time to set it back up again. On the right-hand side is my now uh, production system, running the Bluetooth. Uh, But uh, no, it could have been done for a virtual machine, it could have been done for a remote get it on here tonight I didn't have the time to install well thanks everyone for joining me tonight on category 5 technology TV and I look forward to seeing you next week uh and definitely, uh, you know, check out our website, category5.tv. Again, we've got those DVD ISOs there. Um, really appreciate your support when you're buying those uh, and downloading them. And again, if you prefer to have them sent to you on DVD, just drop me an email. We'll set up a discussion. And you know, if you want to donate some cash to uh, to help me afford to be able to send it to you or whatever, then that's great. Um, I'll burn it for you because uh, I've got the ISOs right here local and then you wouldn't even have to download it. They're, they're like four gigs, so it could take a while. So. Um so all the best, have a wonderful week. It's been great having everybody here, and I will see you again next Tuesday night at seven o'clock Eastern time. Okay.